Welcome to BIV Daily, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. We're on the cusp of hearing about economic recovery plans from senior levels of government. Uh, ought to be the next couple of weeks, I would imagine. And they've been hearing from business and other interest groups about the approach to take in bringing Canada out of the throes of the worst of the pandemic's impact. The BC Chamber of Commerce has proposed nothing short of a 54-point plan. Uh, we're going to discuss it today. We won't get to all 54 points, I don't think, but we'll get to quite a few of them with Dan Baxter. He's the Chamber's Director of Policy Development and Government and Stakeholder uh, Relations. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Kirk. Pleasure to be here. Uh, you, you know, you, I think the Chamber, like a lot of organizations, starts with uh, its own research on this one. In your case, you you surveyed, uh, um, you know, many of your, I think, 36,000 businesses that are part of the Chamber. Yeah. In general, what did you hear? Yeah, you know, and you know, just talk about great, uh, great timing. We've uh, been about a year and a half, two years into a, a new insight platform called BC MindReader, and it uh, it's a, a insight cloud-based uh, insight platform that allows us to really uh, go out to our membership and actually gauge what's on their mind in uh, in as close to real time as possible. So we've been doing this since since March, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, I think you know what we're hearing is sixty-five percent of businesses need to have some sort of government support or have been relying on government support. And of course, three out of 10 are, are worried that when those supports go away, they might not or won't be able to return to normal operations. So we really try to, try to dive into that and understand exactly what kind of supports they need to, to get back on their feet and get back to some semblance of normal and have some healthy form of prosperous, prosperous growth in the future. So that's where we are uh, looking at the, asking some questions. Tax relief came number one with 39% of businesses saying they need tax relief of some form. When you look at that, it's re- eliminating the PST at 16%, some sort of mitigation of EHT employers health tax at 10%. Then of course, transportation infrastructure, uh, retraining, reskilling, uh, you know, uh, came in as well. So that's how we, how we tried to develop this, this plan is with those kinds of uh, needed supports in mind. And, and that's how we came up with these 54 recommendations. Yeah, I mean, we're on the cusp of uh, some immediate changes here, aren't we? I mean, with the wage subsidy alone, we're going to get some very different formula being applied uh, here in the next number of weeks. Uh, it, when you gauge the degree of apprehension and anxiety uh, among business right now in British Columbia, you know, how how hot is it? <laughs> You know, it, it, it's up there, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we obviously just came through a round, like a lot of businesses have had to, to scale back operations, they've put a lot of their employees onto temporary, uh, temporary furlough. And of course, there is um, legislative requirements that you have to bring those employees back within a certain amount of time before they're considered severed or, or uh, dismissed. And of course, that means severance might have to be paid out. So of course, you know, you know, obviously we got the government to extend that out uh, uh, a few weeks, several weeks. And of course, now we're coming up to a deadline, uh, actually in four days, if they don't apply for a variance, that yeah. that might kick in. And, and of course, we've been saying to the government, you know, thank, you know, thankfully, they've, they've created a more streamlined online portal to, to take care of that process, and, and hopefully businesses can, can utilize it. But one of the issues is that you have to put a date of return before the end of the year. And of course, we're saying like our data is telling us three three out of 10 or 29 percent of businesses aren't likely to bring back their employees before the end of the year. It's just that's how much uncertainty is out there right now with with businesses. They try to navigate this slow and uh, fragile recovery before them. Yeah, slow and fragile, I think, uh, is the term that a lot of people are using right now, which is don't don't make any grand assumptions about how quickly things can come back and and. For all we know, there may be setbacks here along the way. No one's been able to safely predict all of this. So what kind of um, 
certainty are businesses looking for right now from senior levels of government? Yeah, you know, I think there's the immediate, you know, supports that still are in place, you know, so it's it's good to know that we have the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy uh, extended out to the end of the year. Now, granted, there's going to be some different ways to access it depending on on your level of, of revenue loss. But, you know, that has been the most uptake uh, uh, program that's been uptake by business. So the fact that that goes until December now, and it's actually now open to all businesses that have revenue loss before it used to be 30% or more, which was actually uh, quite challenging because a lot of businesses would say, hey, I'm at 25%. And that's a massive hit for my business. Like it's making it really uncertain where we can support. Especially if they were having to raise prices Mm -hmm. in the meantime, which might be disguising that revenue loss, you know. Well, that, that, that's exactly it. You know, so I think there's those immediate supports that need to keep uh, that need to stay there for for a little bit while, while longer. I think what also our businesses have been saying to us in the short term is, you know, the Canada Emergency um, uh, Relief Subsidy or uh, uh, a benefit for biz, uh, for people has been a big factor as well. How do we transition now as we gear up our business again? We're looking to reopen, restart. But people are like, oh, you know, I'm actually making a little bit more money on on the CERB. So I'm just going to keep doing that for the time being versus, you know, it might be a restaurant that I can bring someone back for a few hours a week. Uh, maybe it'll, it'll push them over that thousand dollars they're allowed to make and then they get kicked off of the that that benefit. So so there's some conversations there that need to be happening to, to give business the certainty. They know they can bring back their employees and they can actually rehire them. And, and then, of course, that's once we get those kinds of things dealt with, I think then we start to get into more of the what's the short term stimulus that we can start applying to, to spur economic growth. And what is the longer term vision stuff that will actually keep us on that path to prosperity? Given that you've got a pan provincial uh, uh, survey that you can undertake here, do you notice distinct differences, uh, say, between larger centers like Vancouver, Victoria, Kelowna, and a lot of the the more rural businesses that we have? Yeah, we we definitely see some. You know, I think there's a, an underlying commonality in in the issues that uh, businesses are are all suffering some sort of form of revenue loss, decreased business, loss of contract. You know, it's the same. You know, whether you're in a rural community or or an urban center. You know, even something similar like we talk about property tax. You know, it's it's obviously something that's paid in every municipality throughout BC. You know, and it's a slightly different issue depending on if you're in a more rural community versus urban. So, for instance, in a small town, you know, there's that one major mill or or a large industry player that is usually the the anchor of that that community, and they see a property tax rate that's anywhere from 37. You know, if, if you're a major industrial player, uh, 37 times the residential rate. Uh, but even for for commercial businesses out in the rural communities, you know their their commercial rate is three to four times that of the resident. So it's just those little things out there that you know it's, it's a higher tax bill they have to pay. And of course, with down decreased revenue, it you know property taxes property taxes based on assessment. So you have to pay that whether it's good times or bad times. In urban centers, it's more that best and highest use value, right? You're that single shop, you know, single story shop, uh, a bakery, a clothes store. And you're rezoned to be a 40-story tower in the future for residents. Well, because of best and highest use property value, you're getting taxed at that higher rate. So, yes. so again, it, you know, at a time where it was already an issue that was increasing the tax bill two to three times what a business probably should be paying, it's only even more exacerbated today because of the fact that those revenues are so decreased for business. So when the chamber began to look at the kinds of recommendations it wanted to map out, and, and as I say, there are 54 of them, but, but you know, I think there's centrally there's probably about a dozen in there, was the approach to try to provide almost like a clean sheet on 
on some of the long-standing business concerns with, say, the tax code and policy code, or or where you're trying to basically create a, a a pandemic response, a specific pandemic response here. Yeah, I'd say it's probably fair. We were trying to do a little bit of both. You know, I think what our our major point is, we have an opportunity here before us. And and one of the things that our earlier data points were saying before the pandemic it wasn't actually really rosy for business. A lot of business leading up to the pandemic, before the pandemic, yes. were already starting to feel a, a pinch because of the added burden of cost, whether in the form of taxation or regulation. And so only one in two, you know, or actually, sorry, one in two th- businesses actually thought or felt their business was worse off than a year before. So- Well, we thought we were also getting toward the end of the economic cycle, right? That's, we, that maybe we were actually going to approach a recession anyway, or at least that, some kind of downturn. No, that's exactly it, Kirk. You know, that's what our data was showing us. And then, so we were trying to say to government beforehand, we need to, we need to kind of get ahead of this, you know, because we're, we were kind of feeling from a business point of view, at least feeling we were driving towards a cliff a bit. So obviously that's just now been exacerbated by the pandemic. So, so one of the things that we wanted to do with this, this plan was to say, Hey, we can't go back to the uncompetitive nature before. It's not just going back to the way it was before, because there was a few issues we had to deal with there. So this is a chance to do a complete almost reset and that's where, again, talking about, you know, what's that last one big form of taxation relief that we haven't got to yet? What's well, a, a value-added tax that allows business to recoup all those, those taxes they pay for their inputs along the value chain and get that money back so that they can then reinvest it, whether it's back into their business to make their business more productive or back into their employees so they can pay them more, more money. So those are some of the things where we wanted to be mindful of what we were, what the situation was before the pandemic, but also create a roadmap on how we can help navigate the current situation we're in. What I hear from, uh, from business leaders though, is a bit of ambivalence about uh, perhaps the course of action that might be taken by senior levels of government in terms of really pivoting the entire economy. That is trying to create a, a greener solution to the pandemic's throes than, uh, than say might've, might've been a, a possible say eight or eight months ago or a year ago. Um, has the chamber taken a bit of a position on this and, and how much of a swing there needs to be in terms of that investment into those kinds of technologies and that kind of activity as opposed to trying to reclaim um, a bit of the past. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 always the balancing balancing act with our, I think, our economy. You know, the BC Chamber has always been mindful of future opportunity, but we're never losing sight of the fact that we are a resource economy. That's the foundation that you know that resource economy, whether it's mining, uh, forestry, or even the new, new industry of LNG. Uh, we're going to basically build a house that is that emerging economy of clean tech, uh, clean energy, uh, other you know, uh, clean forms, uh, or, or sorry, what they would call, I guess, a green economy. Uh, so we want to basically be mindful of the fact that under our let's compete category, we, ne- we need to take care of our resource industry. But at the same time, we also recognize there is an opportunity to look at some targeted investments, you know, especially in our, our clean energy sector, where we have a lot of great companies, whether it's Interjex. Uh, or um, uh, uh, Westport Innovation or Ballard Power. So there is some opportunity for us to, to maybe make some wise and smart choices there that allows us to green our economy, green our, our environment, and also create some, some economic job opportunity at the same time. But we never lose sight of the fact that we are still a resource economy. Yeah, and that there need to be proportional levels of assistance into each facet of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's talk about some of the specifics of your uh, of your recommendations. I mean, you start off with the fact that small businesses really do want to compete better uh, than they have been able to and, and to bring back good jobs. 
Um, what are the what are the methods in order to do that in your view? So again, it's I think starting off with the, the fundamentals of of competition and being competitive is making sure you have the tax structure in place. Um, you know, we we definitely know we're we're hindered in in a global economy. I think even in a Canadian economy, as one of the only jurisdictions that still has an antiquated provincial sales tax right. that doesn't allow the business to recoup those uh, those taxes they pay, whether. You know, if you're a manufacturer and you need to buy a certain widget, you know, or you need to buy a piece of machinery to make your business more productive, you don't get those uh, those credits back. Uh, so that's one big piece of it. Are you in with the uh, the BC uh, Business Council that's looking at more of a, a value added tax surfacing at some point? Yeah, definitely. So that was one one that we've both been aligned on for for quite a while. You know, I know as the BC Chamber, we basically from you know the day that the HST uh, was defeated, which is a, a debate we don't want to go back to. Government keeps telling us it's never uh, no, going to happen. I don't and, think, and, no, it, I, and believe me, I don't think any politician wants to take that no, one. Exactly. Yeah. But it goes back to Kirk. It's the opportunity we have now where, and even in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we're not necessarily thinking, you know, you're going to flip the switch tomorrow and have a value added tax. It does require a conversation. It's a conversation the BC Chamber is actually really well positioned to have because we do represent every size of business and every sector of the economy and, and every region of the province. So let's figure that piece out over the next couple of years. In the short term, let's remove all PST on machinery, equipment, and te- technology. That's a big boost for whether you're in the the forest industry, if you're a manufacturer, if you're a say a small business restaurant, you need to buy that new grill or or uh, a new freezer or something like that, you know, on those kinds of things, if you can get some of that PST back, it starts to mimic the value added tax and allows them to get more money back into their pockets, which they can reinvest, whether it's to continue to grow or to bring and 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 restaff them their employees. There's always a, a bit of a debate that takes place in our economy about you know, do you go big or do you actually go small in order to uh, in order to basically uh, assist recovery in this case. You're dealing with small businesses on the other hand, but also there are these other options around giant infrastructure projects, mm-hmm. transportation projects in particular, uh, bridges, uh, any number of things that are uh, that are basically very good for jobs over the over a period of time. But take a bit of time to get going. Uh, yeah. You know, aren't going to be necessarily enlisting people by year's end, for instance. Um, what's the balance that you were trying to create here in your recommendations too about what to proceed with? Yeah, and you know, this is again a great thing about being the BC Chamber and our network. Our local chambers have a good pulse on what are all the major infrastructure projects that could really help drive their their local economies and drive the provincial economy. You know, I think this is where one of the things you know. You know, back you know in 2008 when we had the last Great Recession, there was definitely a great effort to get infrastructure dollars out the door faster, and we definitely want to see that that happening. And the standard was shovel-ready projects. Yeah. One of the things that we're looking at a little bit more closely this year and this time around is not just shovel-ready, but shovel-worthy projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, Massey Tunnel here in 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 the Metro Vancouver area, the um, uh, Taylor Bridge up in the northeast, and and then rail infrastructure along the island. And the beauty of this is because our economy is 75 to 80% service oriented, even if you advance a shovel worthy project, that actually creates opportunity right away in some of those service industries, whether you're an environmental engineer or some sort of survey company or or you do some sort of uh, uh, service, you know, financial servicing, you know, portion. So you can get a lot of those pieces as you figure out, is this the right project to advance? And then once you get to that point that it is shovel ready, then you kick into another 
gear of economic recovery, where now you've got shovels in the ground and all those construction jobs. And that's where we want to make sure that, you know, some projects are a little bit more shovel ready, like the Massey Tunnel, we could probably get it, if we can just get a decision tomorrow, we can actually get some shovels going right now. But some of these other projects, they're, they're definitely shovel worthy, they'll grow the economy um, long term, because they're trade related, they're, they're about moving people and goods more efficiently, not just within BC, but across Canada and around the world. So, but because we are such a service oriented, by, by focusing on those projects and getting those things lined up today, we create benefit in the short term, as well as potential benefit in the long run by the jobs of actually building those projects. Now, of course, during the pandemic, uh, it's not like the world stood still. Uh, it was very much in almost into an induced coma around its economy, but, uh, but lots of things happened. And of course, two things that I think are, are very close to home for us in British Columbia, one would be, of course, uh, Indigenous reconciliation. And the second one would be uh, diversity and inclusivity and uh, the need for really a change in the dynamic of, of leadership in business and, and operations of business. How, how do governments help business in this regard in the short term? Yeah, you know, in, in Indigenous reconciliation is definitely a big piece, um, you know, for the BC Chamber, we were one of the first organizations out there that that talked about implementing UNDRIP as as legislation and, and we're there and it's going to be a long journey to, to figure out what that looks like and how it works and it'll take a few agreements to actually get there. But, you know, and, and there's lots of great ideas where we were actually careful not to try to be overly prescriptive on that, that front in terms of bringing our Indigenous communities in because there's many voices out there and many people that have good ideas. But one idea that definitely, definitely resonated with us was with the First Nations Major Projects Coalition around a revolving loan facility, something where the government can, can loan out money to Indigenous communities that want to get resource projects off the ground. So again, tying back into that resource economy as the foundation, and then how we bring our Indigenous communities in there to, to prosper and benefit from it as well as part of that reconcili reconciliation conversation. So that was just one idea that we wanted to, to make sure government was aware of without being overly prescriptive to the other ideas that are, that are out there. Other ways, you know, we want to make sure we're being inclusive because there's many, many ways, you know, in, in terms of making sure that we're supporting young entrepreneurs because they've probably been one of the more hard hit groups. Uh, Childcare is another issue because women have definitely been hard hit in the pandemic uh, in terms of having to look after children who might not be able to go back to school or have childcare options. So we want to make sure, you know, that we're one, supporting good childcare um, spaces, making sure there are spaces available. And of course, the benefit of that from BC Chamber point of view is that a lot of those spaces are actually small business operators looking to, to make sure they're providing safe space. So if we can support those, those childcare spaces, we actually are also supporting small businesses. At the same time, we, we actually have been uh, really open to the idea about accessibility, that there are a lot of people in, in our economy that want to work, that have physical disabilities that might not be able to access the workplace. To, uh, to benefit their their to their benefit based on their 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 challenges, so there's a great short term opportunity for construction jobs to you know the government can help stimulate by by saying to people okay, you know if you're a business and you want to make your business more accessible you know go ahead and do it we'll basically help help finance that through a grant of some sort and then of course the longer term benefit is now we have workspaces that are more accessible so that when we do have have that full recovery take hold post pandemic or at some point in the future then we can get some of those people back into our workforce as well, who would be a tremendous benefit to, uh, to businesses. Yeah. We haven't got time, I guess, to pour through all elements of the report, but I want to uh, take one last look at uh, the bigger picture, which is, you know, what you think the conditions need to be 
in order for us to restore this mixture of business and consumer confidence. I look again at, at the work of the Conference Board of Canada today and talking about consumer confidence starting to wane again. Um, what are the conditions you think that are necessary for governments to, to help put in place so that businesses can have greater confidence and therefore consumers can, can feel like they're going to be uh, in, in good straits too? Yeah, you know, certainty, um, you know, understanding the rules. I think, you know, you were touching a little bit. We don't know what the future holds with a second wave and what that could mean. We are starting to see our numbers uptick again. Um, so businesses understanding how they can can offer safe uh, uh, safe places to do business so people feel confident to come out. Because uh, that's obviously a big key is, you know, and, and, and I think obviously a little bit of understanding is in there as well. Because I know, you know, our members like Say Up and Kamloops, they're working so hard to provide a safe spot and try to follow the the provincial health officers regulations and some people are obviously feeling you know pushing back about you having to wear masks or or other things like that so it's just obviously a little bit of understanding for our business operators but but understanding kind of what they need to do to provide that safe piece uh, or safe place of business is a key so that people can feel comfortable knowing if i go to my favorite local restaurant or my favorite small business i can kind of put my money in there um and and know that that it's safe uh, safe for me to be there and safe for those employees I think at the same time for business, you know, it's it's understanding, you know, how we're going to wind down some of these support projects, knowing the fact that, you know, there are added costs to doing business these days. So government needs to know, you know, we can't necessarily layer, you know, in the form of more taxation or if we can relieve a little bit of that tax burden on business, the regulatory burden helps support them as they they upscale their business with PPE so that they can open safely. And I think that's that's a key as well, because you know, like typical, I don't, whether you're a small business operator or even a person, uh, a resident, if you don't feel certain as you get some of these checks coming in, some of these supports, if you don't feel like there is a, a safe and, and, and an economy that's working, your general inclination is to put that in your pocket and save it versus what we need to have people doing right now is feel they can get out into yeah. the economy. They can spend at their, their ice cream shop or their restaurant or, or closed store. And that then has all those indirect and induced benefits that go along with it as well. Yeah. Last question. Uh, so you submitted your report on the 21st of uh, July, uh, released it publicly uh, this week. Um, how soon do you think we can expect to see something from the province uh, in a way of a recovery plan? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Kirk. Um, you know, I think, you know, why we want to kind of get out now is is obviously just to, to show as we head into the, into the fall that um, there is local chambers throughout British Columbia thinking about these things, thinking about their members and making sure that we're getting these ideas into government. You know, I, I, I would hope that we're, we're looking at some time in, in the fall that this will be released because more information, more certainty sooner rather than later definitely goes back to that piece about how do we make people feel confident about, about the recovery and, and that businesses are operating and people can spend their money. Um, You know, but again, you know, these are, you know, just being, being sensitive to the fact these are different times and I don't think anyone has ever experienced anything like this. So, so getting it right is definitely the key and, and knowing the fact if we have to spend maybe one beyond that 1.5 billion to get the right mix of supports for business, to get that economy off to the right start, that restart off to the right start and, and making it a lasting recovery, not just a temporary recovery. It, you know, I think from that point of view, we at the business community, or at least at the BC Chamber, are willing to to give it a a, a little bit more time. But mm-hmm. sooner rather than later is definitely uh, definitely appreciated. Just with the fact that you know we want to make sure people, especially as we head into the fall, 
uh, with maybe a second wave know that you know that we are we got a hand on this tiller and that we're going to help the recovery get going quicker. Yeah, well, it's a pretty comprehensive report. I'd encourage people to see it at your site at the BC Chamber of Commerce. Meanwhile, Dan, good talking to you. Stay well. Thanks, Kirk. You too. Dan Baxter is the Chamber of Commerce's uh, BC uh, Director of Policy Development and Government and Stakeholder Relations. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at BIB. Thanks for watching BIB Daily. We'll see you again.